Good afternoon and welcome to Wildfire Tribe Podcast. Thank you so much for listening to us. Welcome back to this week's show. This is going to be an exciting show, isn't it, Kylie? It absolutely is. This week we are going to be starting the journey of body, soul and spirit. Body, soul and spirit. So you're a body. You've got a body by the looks of it. I'm guessing that if I punch you in Ow. the arm. Yep. <laughs> so, yep. You've always been so good at doing that dead arm. You're like the classic guy at school. He just comes up and like just punches you right in the right spot. <laughs> so I just punched Kylie in the arm and... Uh, Not even hard, but just right on that bit. You just know how to do it. Though it's just to make sure that you are a body. <laughs> yes. So that worked. Kylie is a body. Do you have a soul and a spirit? Body, soul and spirit is the conversation for today. So if this is your first time on the Wildfire Tribe podcast, we thank you. We have real conversations about mystical things, as in we talk about the mystical side of Christianity. Is that what you'd say, Kylie? Yeah, we are diving deep into the mysteries of God, which is basically going into spaces that traditionally we're not necessarily encouraged to go. So when we talk about the mystical side of Christianity and body, soul and spirit, etc., I just wanted to establish up front that we are a body. I punched you in the arm. You said, ow, that means that you are here (laughs) and you are a body. Now, beyond that, what are you, Kylie? Do you have a soul and a spirit? If so, what is a soul and a spirit? Do you have all three of those parts? Do they interact with each other? Are they separate? Are you just a body and a brain, a body, a brain, a heart, and all of that meat and bones, etc.? Or is there more to you and more to us? And did God create us to be more than that? If so, how does he interact with us? There's lots and lots and lots and lots of questions, lots of things we can talk about today. Today we are actually recording from a room that is not attached to a house. It's like a room on its own, isn't it? And it's not acoustically safe. Anything can happen in here. I heard the puppy next door. I just heard a dog barking just then. Yeah. It's saying hello. It wants to be on the podcast. And normally we're down by the river or somewhere like that. We're normally outside and we try and get a little bit of bird noise, etc. in the background. But today we're actually inside, which is unusual for us. We've been outside earlier in the day. It's a bit overcast. It's a little bit cooler than it has been. And we just thought that we would try and do it inside and see what it sounded like. Yeah, and I think it's going to be great. I think it's going to be an interesting discussion, really. And I think that this possibly, if any topic is going to spill over into another week, it could be this one because I feel like the parallels between the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit, the the Trinity, and between our makeup as body, soul and spirit, how can we possibly just talk about that in an hour well you do have an art of making things stretch out over longer than an hour and like if I was to ask you where are the keys to the car that could take you an hour to give me the answer (laughs) 
Yes, it's true, especially if if you didn't hang them up when you came inside and then you forgot that you didn't hang them up and then you thought that I knew where they were and then we spent 45 minutes looking for them where I might put them and then we actually realised that you had them all along. I don't know where you're taking the conversation, <laughs> but body, soul and spirit is way more exciting than talking about car keys. So soul, what is your soul? What is our soul? Well, I think the general definition for soul is the mind, will and emotions. And it's not visible? No, I don't think it's the soul is something that we see with our natural eyes. I mean, you can see the results of it. You can see the actions of it, but you can't actually see it like you see it like we see the body. Okay, so the soul lives within our body though? I imagine so. I hadn't really thought about that. But yeah, I guess all those three parts really do live within us or around us. So we're just talking about the soul then and the spirit? Mm. Well, the spirit man is the essence of who we are, isn't it? Like it's the very light that came into being before the beginning of time as we stood there in the midst of creation unfolding with our Father in heaven. And uh, everything uh, around us became, and I think we've chosen to come to earth at a particular point in time, and we happen to be here now, which is very exciting for all of the spirits that have been embodied in these beautiful bodies uh, and coupled with a soul to walk out our life on this earth. I've been reading a book lately by an author by the name of Tommy Miller and his book is titled Transfiguration Mm -hmm. and he is a pastor in a church in Philadelphia, Ohio in the US. And on page 11 of his book, he talks about uh, transfiguration uh, and body, soul and spirit conversation and identity and all those sorts of things. And on page 11 of his book, it says... Complete sanctification means that as your spirit is, so is your soul, and as your soul is, so is your body. As such, who God says you are, what you believe about yourself, and what creation experiences when it encounters you are all the same. All three parts are functioning in harmony. All are blameless. I love it. So to expand upon that... It, my understanding of that is that there, Tommy Miller is saying there is three different parts to us, a body, soul and a spirit, and that we seem to be on this journey, Kylie, that word again, journey, uh, throughout this life, this existence on this planet of this sanctification process, which I used to think was something to do with becoming more Jesus-like Christ-like, you know, behaviour-wise. I, I think I used to think it was along those terms that as I as I became a, a more mature Christian that my behaviour might vary and I might become more well-behaved like a good Christian person, perhaps. I think that's, that's fair to say that that's what I used to think. So what do you think now? Well, I'm starting to wonder about what I think in every circumstance. I, I feel like my life is subject to change. All my beliefs are subject to change. I'm dissecting them. I'm working them out. And from what I read, what I read to you just then in Tommy Miller's book, it's 
challenging thinking to think that it's possible in what I read there that he is saying that those three parts of us, there's this journey through life of somehow trying to get to a place where they're all in alignment, where they're all basically functioning out of that third heaven or spirit realm, not as affected by the earth as we sometimes think that our bodies are. Yeah, I so agree. Well, I feel like it is that it's it comes back down to identity at the very simplest of forms because what Jesus did for us is the sanctification that we that we all come into. Being sanctified is that declaration of holiness that's declared over us. So it's like we are sanctified in him. We are made holy in him. The fullness of that is that our spirit man comes into that place, that seat of governance over our soul and our body and brings that that beauty and that wonder of sanctification into its fullness around us. It sounds simple and it actually is in its fullness, but I feel like walking that out is actually sometimes quite difficult. Yeah, I was thinking this morning as I was walking to go and meet somebody, I was processing some thoughts with God about uh, what my beliefs are around being saved. I know as a uh, as a young believer, as a young as a person who uh, was recently back in the day, what the church refers to as saved, I at that stage thought that saved was that revelation moment of the existence of God. And that the language or the word saved around that made me think that I was being saved from an eternity not in heaven. Mm. I think I was, I think my thinking at the time was that I was saved by the revelation of God being my reality. I was saved by Jesus being his son and dying for my sins. And therefore, I was saved into the reality that I was not going to end up in hell one day, but I would be going to heaven when my physical body died and left this earth. Mm. But this morning as I was walking along towards this appointment that I was going to, I started to think about being saved in terms of the realisation that I am a son of God. So I've been saved into the remembering that that's who I am and I haven't been saved from anything. I love it. I haven't I- been saved from going to some terrible destination. I've just been saved back into the realisation of who my family is. Exactly. You've been saved from the law of sin and death and you've been saved into life and immortality. Like you've been saved from sin or set free from sin, which is also the action of sanctification is being set free from sin. And sin essentially is our understanding that we're separate from God. So or it's like, forgetting who we are. Yeah, it's forgetting who we are. A, exactly. a misidentity. Yeah. So when we are set free from the misunderstanding of not un- knowing who we are and we're coming into the revelation of life and immortality or life and life in abundance, as Jesus says, then, yeah, wow. So we're not... <laughs> so sin is no longer about 
the behaviours that we express, like the the things we do, like when I punched you in the arm before. Mm. So sin is not punching you in the arm, doing something bad that I'm going to be punished for any longer. Sin is punching you in the arm out of a place of anger or a desire to hurt you. But it's not the action that is sinful. It's the punching you out of the misidentity of understanding that I don't need to punch you to hurt you because I love you. Uh, God loves me. He loves you. There's no need to inflict punches on people's arms if you know your identity. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. I love it. That's funny. I have a a verse from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. Now, may the God of peace and harmony set you apart, making you completely holy, which is like sanctified, and may your entire being, spirit, soul, and body be kept completely flawless in the appearing of our Lord Jesus, the anointed one. <laughs> Ooh. Do I feel like there's this place that we're coming into that is this place of perfect balance, perfect wellness, like perfect flow, perfect revelation of the fullness of who we are, like it's this age of perfection that I've heard spoken of. I think Nancy Cohen speaks about the age of perfection. It's this age of coming into the fullness of what was bought for us in the sacrifice of Jesus, which happened before the beginning of time. And that we're filled with the fullness of that that brings us into this place of restoration and redemption and wonder that brings us into this place where our mind has been renewed, our body is letting go of all of those traumas and all of those things that it's experienced in the physical realms all of the dis-ease that has been spoken over it and thought over it through the soulish realms and it's coming into this place of governance under our spirit man who knows who we are, that we're reconnected back into that place of the fullness of who we've always been from before the beginning of time. And I feel like that's this this beautiful dance that we have within ourselves that's also this perichoresis dance that we speak of that the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit have together, which is this beautiful divine dance of glory and goodness and bliss and wonder where the three that are so beautiful and and their own each their own aspects of the one that yeah it's um it's a beautiful picture so the spirit the body soul and spirit discussion so if you're working through a process of sanctification you're living on this earth trying to get to a place of 
you know, that peace that surpasses all understanding that we all know what it feels like, that we all endeavor to walk in every day of our life, that indescribable feeling of complete peace. Is that peace, I attribute it to something to do with God, obviously for me I do, Uh, is it, can you go any further than that and suggest perhaps that that peace that surpasses all understanding is comes at a time when everything is in alignment you know where uh, all all the stars align you know the planets align that's the saying isn't it where all the planets align mm. but is it where your body soul and spirit are all in perfect alignment where you're not fearing you're not living out of a place of being circumstantially anxious so when things going on around your life that uh, are on the outside that affect the inside of you uh, when things are not going quite as planned or something a hiccup occurs in your life and that affects your soul and your body adversely is it the opposite that when you are living in that place of perfect peace perfect alignment of body soul and spirit that that's what's going on Mm. yeah quite possibly well I I certainly feel like part of it is choosing really to resonate or be within those higher frequencies of love and joy and goodness and because I feel like you know when we when we do ascensions together when we pray together when we we enter we intentionally enter into a place of what we would call the heavens we step into heaven even though we're still physically present on the earth we are in the process of stepping into heaven and seeing what God's showing us there, that in that ascended state, we still have a body on earth, Mm. but we experience in our time in ascension and for the time that we're there doing that and also when we come back out of that space, that same sort of peace that surpasses all understanding that I was talking about before. So if that's the case that we can feel like that when we're in a time of prayer, when we're in a time of ascension, can we live like that intentionally at all times? Like just as we're going about our regular day, as we're riding our motorbikes. Definitely. I I got it in there, Kylie. Motorbikes. (laughs) Motorbike, motorbike, motorbike. (laughs) So as we go about our regular day, is it possible if we're feeling anxious, if we're we're feeling like uh, our external circumstances that are happening around us are adversely impacting our body and our soul, can we intentionally switch into that heavenly realm whilst we go about the rest of our day to bring ourselves into that that place of peace that surpasses all understanding? That is the new now. Like that is the place where we con- we are we find ourselves in a place constantly. We are seated in that place in the heavenly realm. So we never have to even leave Always. that place. No, and that's the whole part about the no separation. Like we're not divided into, and this is the part I feel like that we're really exploring as we're trying to understand, okay, our our spirit is really being impacted and engaging with these wildly incredible concepts about what life can look like. We're navigating now this space where our heart is just 
longing for more. We're longing to be in that place of divine health and immortality. We're longing to be wandering in these wide open spaces where all of the craziest, most amazing things have become our tangible reality in the physical realm. But I feel like there's still this disconnect in our box mentality of thinking of our body and our soul and our spirit as separate from one another. So therefore, we're okay, we're having this moment, we're like um, bowing our heads in prayer, we're entering into the heavenly realms, we're doing the things that we do, we're coming back and then we're going about our day. But I think that we're starting to move into this place now where those veils are not only just thin, but they're completely evaporating, they're completely gone and that there is no separation between us here in the physical realm and us here in the spiritual realm. It's the age-old discussion around the Trinity again, isn't it? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Like, how do you possibly get your head around that in the way that we think, the way that we've been raised to think in this part of the world? How do you get your head around the fact that there's three separate beings Mm. who are all one, who are in in unity with each other at all time, in agreement, in enjoyment, in love, moving together as one yet separate. Mm, yeah. <laughs> uh, and that's where good old Mr. Soul sometimes sticks up his little head and says, hmm, this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah. Or Mr. Body, I've got a sore back. Exactly. It's easy to be talking about soul and spirit, but mm. the fact is that my back is sore yeah, and that seems to be something to do with my body. Exactly. So do we separate the soul and the spirit from the body to fix our back or is the back issue related to soul and spirit as well? Absolutely. I think they're all interconnected and I don't think that we can ignore that. And I think that there are pieces of each one of us that wildly affect the other pieces and that really knowing who we are in the spirit in our identity in Christ like our identity as sons and daughters is the foundation for wholeness like it's it's the foundation for this wellness space where everything comes into alignment, like everything starts to understand who it is and then it starts to resonate with the fullness of what it's what was always intended. Like our body wasn't intended to die. Governing over your body and your soul mm. from a heavenly realms. Yeah. Governing over your circumstances. Definitely. Governing from a place of understanding who you are. Yeah. Who are you, Kylie? How can you govern over your circumstances, your body, your soul from that place of the heavens if you don't know who you are? Exactly. Who are you? I am the I am. Like I am a daughter of the creator of all things. And within me is the ability to co-create with him In me is all those things that were in Jesus and greater things than these as he spoke, that he was trailblazing a way for us 
to engage with our body and our soul and our spirit in a completely different way that busted us out of any restrictions and rules and laws and things that contained us and brought us into this open expansiveness of infinite possibilities and life. And that's who I am. I am all that he is and greater things than these. So why do you get sick sometimes then? Mm, This is what we are unpacking. That's what we're unpacking in all of our discussions or just the body, soul and spirit discussion? I think it's an ongoing discussion that's interrelated to so many of our topics that we speak of every week. I think that there are just infinite things that we can be engaging with. And I think until we are living on this earth with everything in its fullness, which is where we're heading toward, that we don't ever need to stop investigating or opening up another door into a realm of possibility that might be able to further allow us to engage with more life. Now, just from a, I, I just want to remove from the equation, not that it's actually possible in our thinking from what we've just been talking about. We don't think that it is possible to have body, soul and spirit separate to each other. They're all one package is what we've just been talking about. But I just want to talk about a time in my past when I used to I used to be depressed. You know, I was depressed for many, many, many years. And I don't know that I knew that I was depressed for many, many, many years. At the time, I never really thought about it until I got to a place where I was extremely mentally unwell and not desiring or even caring about existing anymore. And I walked that dark place for many years, still existing in the world, going about work, etc., having a wife, having children, even having the facade of somebody that was okay most of the time to the outside world. I probably looked like things were fine all of the time and saving my darkness, my my horrible states for my my personal time. And and that in that was inflicted upon you and my children, you know, in the in those places where you are actually truly yourself, where you're not hiding anything. So having that go on for years and years and years and then finally putting my hand up for some some help, uh, you know, through psychiatrists, etc., doctors, trying to understand what was going on, I finally got a label put on me. At first, actually, the label I got was bipolar. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I was excited to have a label that helped me to believe that there was something now that I could attach to me that explained why I felt so bad and that that perhaps gave me some sort of hope that I could deal with that label. Then the new label that I got was just depression. And when I say just depression, I don't mean as in it's it's not a terrible thing to have, but that it wasn't bipolar, which seemed to be worse in my mind. So when it was declared that I did have depression, then I got put on antidepressants straight away and started taking them and I got to a place of absolute numbness 
So a place of not high, not low, but somewhere in the middle. And even I would have to say a contentedness, but a contentedness to the point that I felt like if I was going to feel content with my existence of staring at the sky and not having any emotions, that that wasn't necessarily much better than how I was before I started taking the medication. So long story short, I stop taking it, I get clear of the medication, and then I find out that I am still not very well, of course, because things haven't been dealt with, and I find out that a psychiatrist is the next person for me to see. So I go and see them, and I find out straight away that the ball is in my court, that I can do something about this problem, but it's me that has to do something about it. So that takes me full circle back to the identity and the governing discussion. Now I've had thrust upon me that this thing that I've, this label that I have, this depression label that I have, that's attached to me in my life, that's put me in a, a place of absolute darkness and sent me into a place of suicidal thoughts uh, and very nearly completely actually being suicidal now that I have that label and now that I understand that it's actually for me to do something about it and I can do something about it then I need to step into my identity of believing that I have the ability to do something about this I have a responsibility and I also have the governing power through my identity to do something about this that it's not actually something that's separate from me. It's not actually a, an external circumstance even that's sort of outside of me that's been inflicted upon me. But this is actually something that I can do something about. And if there's going to be something done about it, it is me that is going to have to do it. Now, I don't have that problem anymore and have not had that problem for how long? 14 years. 14 Ten. years. So... I have had a couple of instances, or one in particular, a very dark period, but only a matter of days where I've fallen back into that state. Uh, not, and, and I would have to say for me, when I look back at that that's, that, that's that identity crisis again that I allowed to, to re-enter my thinking. Now, that identity crisis that I was suffering, that label that I was glad to have attached to me that identified it, who I was and what was wrong with me, when I removed that from myself, knowing who I am, being able to govern over that, not being governed by that label any longer, it removed that power completely from me. And the only time I've ever been affected by it ever again was at a time when I forgot who I was again. Yeah. And so that very much affected my body and mm -hmm. very much affected my soul and very much affected my spirit. But wasn't necessarily a spirit issue or wasn't necessarily a soul issue or a body issue was it all of those things combined I'm still not really sure but I know that what started as what I thought was a mental issue nearly completely got rid of me altogether well I definitely feel like a part of that too was that if you don't give any importance to your spirit man and that you're living in that space of the soul man and the body man only, then you don't realize who you are, which is a son of God. And you don't know you're a son of God if you don't place any importance on the spirit. 
in the, on the spiritual realms on anything to do with God or anything like that. So you're being pushed to and throw. So if you don't have a will, like a really strong will, so you're just leaning then on your mind, your will and your emotions. If your mo- emotions are all over the place, if you're easily addicted to substances or if you have had things that have happened to you in your lifetime that have brought questions about whether you're loved, whether there are whether you have a purpose or any of those kind of things and then that coupled with identity identity exactly are you loved do you have a purpose yeah who are you exactly and if you're not making that if you're not creating that answer out out of knowing that you're a son of god or a daughter of god that you that you're not knowing that this is the family that you were born into and you're basing that just out of the soulish or out of the soul realm and out of the body realm where you're being pushed to and fro, um, that's difficult. It's fro, Kylie, F-R-O. Oh, fro. To and fro. I thought a fro was like big hair. A fro can be big hair, yes, it can be, but to and fro is the actual saying. Okay, When you're cool. being tossed to and fro on the ocean of life, when you're not anchored securely, and you're being tossed about, yes. when you're not anchored in God and your identity and you're being tossed about to and fro, disaster can happen, Kylie. You can wash up on the reef. You can wash up on rocks and be smashed into pieces. It's not to and throw. Nobody's throwing you somewhere. <laughs> well, my picture is being thrown around. <laughs> That's why sometimes I have to punch you on the arm <laughs> because you don't. <laughs> and it's quite unbelievable, you know. Kylie has written a book called The New Now. It's time for a plug on the book. The New Now is Kylie's book. It's quite unbelievable that Kylie has written a book and she can't speak English. But I'm much better at writing than I am at speaking. It's not that you can't speak English, is it? That's not very nice. No. That's not a very nice thing to say. And you that could tell have adversely people, affected your soul. Tell the people you were surprised, weren't you, when you read the book? I was surprised when I read the book that there was hardly any spelling mistakes, yes. <laughs> Considering no, that you but... wrote it and then it went through the hands of like three edits. <laughs> and you, you also didn't realise that I could write. Well, I wouldn't say that, Kylie. I would say that I am well aware that you have abilities beyond my comprehension because your identity is in the creator who created you and that just because sometimes you think that I don't know the fullness of your capacity doesn't mean that I don't know that your gifts are are sometimes beyond what I can see. <laughs> I love it. And this is the this is our journey of self-discovery. Like this is the journey of seeing ourselves like he sees us, seeing ourselves as we were created to be. I I found this amazing verse, 1 Corinthians 6:20, and this one is speaking specifically about the body. It says, you were God's expensive purchase, paid for with tears of blood. So by all means then, use your body to bring glory to God. The body is just so vitally important beyond my comprehension too. 
Like, why in the world did God create this entire, I was going to say planet, but it's more than this planet, isn't it? Planet, solar system, galaxies, everything that we've seen and, and more, and then decide that it was so vitally important to him to put us in a body. Yep. Why do we need to be in our bodies? Why do we have these bodies as a gift on earth to cruise through life with? if they're not vitally important and the importance of them being so important that perhaps we should think about looking after them. You know, our body is our temple. I so agree. And that's why I feel like the the harmony and balance between the three aspects of ourself is so important. It's far more important than we realize because sometimes I think as spiritual people, once we come and we have that spiritual awakening about ourselves, then we put all of this importance on the spirit person and we neglect that we have these other two aspects of ourself that were just not created to be relegated to the sinful nature and to this box over there that, oh, no, we don't operate out of the soul realm or we don't operate out of the body realm. Because then we're cutting pieces of ourselves off and saying, no, they're not from God. But he's actually created us for all of those three aspects of ourselves to be in beautiful harmony with one another. I feel like our human system is actually built of many different energy frequencies. Like we are energy frequency and vibration. Like each piece is meant to interrelate with the others. And it allows for this beautiful harmony to come in. And when there's this harmony between the three parts of ourself, it brings us into a place of self-healing. I think it's um, quantum science shows us that our thoughts create various vibrations within our system that have the power to accentuate our own healing capacity or to destroy it. So our thinking about ourselves, our separation from the fullness of who we are in Christ can actually lead us to be thinking thoughts about ourselves that are bringing ourselves into a place of dis-ease and sickness. In Ezekiel 36, 25 and to 28, it says, Then I will sprinkle pure water on you and make you pure. I will wash away all your filth, the filth from those nasty idols, and I will make you pure. I will also put a new spirit in you to change your way of thinking. And I feel like there's something in that too because um, we've just come off this beautiful time in our solar system, uh, the time of the equinox, which is like the day that we pass over to two times a year where we have equal amounts of day and night. It's this time where there's an openness in the heavenly realms that is allowing for this stream of downloads. So we're, we're more awakened, our spirit mans are more awakened to receive in that time and we can receive like incredible things that are, that are taking us into and beyond where we are now. I also feel like as part of this space of 
water that we, our bodies are on average 60% water and that varies slightly between males and females. And I think when you're first born, you actually have even more water in your body than that. So the waters within us are part of the process of finding that place of healing. And I also feel like that's that there's something in the sound, our sound and our frequency resonating with the sound of many waters, which is the voice of the Father, which is those aspects of ourself speaking to our God, speaking to our Father, speaking to God, our friend, like speaking in relationship with not just our spirit man having this ongoing conversation and our mind processing that and thinking about all of those thoughts that we have with him and being renewed in that place of like being expanded about what walking with God actually is. But it's purifying the waters within. It's coming into the fullness of who we have always been. And then as we go out into the rest of creation, that we become a filter for the waters of the earth where everything that is coming into contact with us is moving through the realms of glory within which is contained within the very center of our being. And as we come into the fullness of the conscious of that, of that is expanded out to become this earthly filtration system of all of the things that are bringing us into the fullness of life. Now back to Tommy Miller's book. He writes, the key to spiritual victory isn't just chance encounters and presence. Spiritual success involves taking responsibility for your soul, the importance of your soul again, the importance of your body. It's so Spiritual true. success involves taking responsibility for your soul. That would imply that you have some responsibility, you have some ability to do something about the success or the health of your soul. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. Because if you don't think that you do have some ability to govern the health of your body and your soul then you are saying that external circumstances outside of yourself have the ability to govern what happens within you yeah yeah it's true so if I had a decided or had a never actually had it explained to me that I had an ability to respond to the depression label that was put on my life if I never understood that I had had the ability to do something about that, then I could have succumbed to that having never realized that all I had to do was govern an outcome mm. that I chose to govern. Yeah, that's right. And the outcome that I chose to govern was life in abundance, was light and life. Mm. And that once I decided that, that was going to be my victory, that was going to be my place that I was going to choose to live, that I was actually given the ability to govern that outcome. And it was interesting like the way that your journey unfolded because it really started in that body space where you knew once you started taking those antidepressants that even though you weren't desperately depressed and sad anymore or just in this state of hopelessness, your body was just numb. It was like in this place of just nothingness almost. And, and, and you knew 
that that wasn't living. And I remember you making that decision to to see the psychiatrist and to and you know to work with the psychologist and to be a part of that team that you were a part of that then walked through that journey of empowering your soul like you were empower you were empowered in that place of mindfulness you were empowered your will your emotions your mind will and emotions were empowered in that space that they can actually do something about moving you into a place of more wholeness and health yes and, and also coming to that place of understanding that, that, that things outside of my control, like circumstances outside of my control, I was allowing those things to have an impact on me that were never, that I was actually giving value to. Mm-hmm. I didn't need to do that. So things outside of our control, other people's actions, other people's words, other people's play, other people's behavior including, you know, your family or at work, just other people in general, other people's ideas, other people's feelings, other people's mistakes. They're all outside of my control. Yet if I choose to allow other people's actions, etc., words to impact adversely on me, my spirit, soul, body, they can very much impact me adversely to the point of where I was. Yeah, absolutely. Now, there's things that I can control. I can control my words, my actions, my ideas, my efforts, my mistakes and my behavior. And once you learn that you do have an ability to respond to circumstances that you sometimes think are out of your control, Mm. that you gain power in that place. Definitely. And I think sometimes even when you're in that place of, not wellness where your mind is playing those games with you it's not even things that people are saying it's things that you perceive people are saying like it's things that you think people are saying and doing and and it's not even reality it's almost like outside of reality where your mind goes into overdrive and you start creating these scenarios of possibility that are not good like people saying this about you, what if this happens, what if that happens? So we're living in that place where your mind is holding you captive in this place of constant fear and doubt and worry and frustration and stress. I don't think that I ever comprehended that I had an ability to do something about it though, Kylie. No, you didn't. I just always thought that it was the cards that I was dealt, that I was just a miserable person, always unhappy, always looking at things as if something was about to go wrong and then when something went wrong that that's the way that it was destined to be, you know, that kind Mm. of dark cloud over your head kind of life. Yeah. And I just, I don't know whether I actually ever thought about why that was. I think I just lived under that dark cloud that was a comfortable place for me to be. Mm. I was just used to being there and I guess in retrospect I had had accepted that that's a place where I was just destined to be forever. I didn't realise that until I realised, until I had it explained to me and it was a very hurtful moment, it was a very emotional moment for me to actually have somebody tell me that I was the person who was in control of steering this ship back into the light and responsible for keeping it there. I just found that it was easier for me to blame it on external circumstances. 
mm. and not address it and just live in it. I never actually realized that I could do something about it until somebody told me that I could. And then for whatever reason, actually accepting that at that time was like a real light bulb moment that I then had to walk out of. But I think sometimes it actually just takes somebody brave enough to tell you that you need to do something about it yourself. Yeah. Because whilst ever somebody's around you going, there, there, baby, it's all going to be okay, you're going to be all right, it might be all right slowly in time, you might come back out of that place, but inevitably for me, I would always find myself back there Mm. until I learnt that I had the power. So... Let this be a moment of empowering to you in your life in those places that you feel almost like powerless to do anything about, in those places where we let our mind play games with us, you know, in those places where we strip away the essence of who we are and we say, well, we can't do anything about that. I just want to talk about something that I don't understand but that I know is a key and something that if you're if you're finding yourself in a place that's uh, you know a dark place a depressive state like I was for all of that time you try and figure out what the triggers are sometimes what you know if you if you can find if you can get yourself far enough out of that hole that you can start to logically think again at all you start to think well what was it that put me there like I was cruising along and then I just seemed to trip and fall in this hole can I just suggest that one of the things and I like I said I don't understand why to this day, I don't really understand why, but pornography. Pornography was something that I would, and I have not, not ever spoken about this in front of other people at all. It's kind of a sensitive issue. But pornography for me, and I look back in retrospect, and I know for sure because there was an isolated time that I spoke about earlier where I found myself in that depressed state again, that that was completely isolated from me having been in that state for a long, long time. And I know that what put me in that state was pornography. And I don't know how it works. I don't know how it, how it affects your spirit or your soul, what, how it affects you and has the ability over you to put you in that place. But I know that that's what happened to me. So if you find yourself not able to understand triggers that put you in that place, and pornography is a part of your existence, I dare you to go without. Yeah. I dare you to put that aside. I dare you to get rid of that app, to never search for that again, never look for that. And I know like that, you know, when a Christian person talks to you about pornography and sex and those sorts of things, you can easily find yourself on your high horse going, well, I don't want to have anything to do with Christianity. All they ever do is talk about good morals and being clean and not swearing and not drinking and there's no fun in life. But I just dare you, if you're finding that you're a person that finds yourself in states of depression, I dare you to remove pornography from your life and see what that does. Remove it from your life for a week, two, a month, six months, a year and just see and if that doesn't remove that, the triggers of depression for you, then keep going from there. But there's nothing about pornography that is good for you Yeah, exactly. in my experience. You know, when we talk on this podcast and all of the things that we talk about, uh, we, we try not to talk about things from a place of we're trying to teach you things. We're just simply sharing our life 
experience with people and hopefully helping. And so for me, my experience is that that's one of the triggers that put me in a state of depression. Well, it is statistically proven that more than half of men who use pornography have acknowledged that their porn use has caused major problems in their life, including psychological problems, including depression and anxiety. Yeah, so like I said, I'm not exactly sure exactly how they correlate, but I, you know, there are, for me, you know, just in logical thinking, there are adverse effects from some of the things that you see, in, in, in even just so far as how you treat women in relationships and how you interact um, sexually with with the other the other sex, just from watching those things, you can easily model your sex life off something that you've seen that is not necessarily healthy. But how it affects you mentally, I have not been able to join those dots for myself. Well, I think it would definitely have to come down and I'm not exactly sure like I'd have to we could probably do like a whole entire episode on talking about the kind of effects that some of these things have on us things like guilt and you know like some some of those things that come out of being exposing ourselves to that environment is there it's not the fruit of the spirit like it's not those fruits that we're desiring to bring wellness into our life so it's it's causing us to come into that place that is dysfunctional for our mind it's dysfunctional for our relationships it's bringing aspects of ugliness and un and things that just aren't real like the into our expectations of our partners and and the different things that we're expecting in our own lives from ourselves and I think all of those things boil down to this place of aligning ourselves with the things that bring dis-ease into our bodies so let my victory over depression be your story that you don't have to walk out absolutely let my sharing with you as you're listening today of my defeat over that label that was put on me or that I actually put on myself, let my victory be your victory. Let it not be that you would take that as a sign of something that you too can walk out and survive, but let it just be a lesson that you don't have to learn that's already been done by somebody who's far sillier than you. That is my desire for my children. That's my desire for anybody that I can positively impact with my life is that the mistakes that I've made, the, the paths that I've walked that have been unhealthy for me don't become someone else's story. Yeah. Why would you want to follow a path of destruction when you know what the destination is? Exactly. Yeah. And my head has gone into those places too, you know, as we've shared some of those different things, those aspects of thinking that you're bringing something into your relationship that's going to enhance it. And, you know, I've had some of those really desperately depressed times of my life as well that have lined up with certain things that have happened like I had one bout of postnatal depression with um, after we had our second um, beautiful baby and it, it wasn't until I could see that I had become everything that I wasn't that I had this moment of awakening where I was just sitting in my own despair as a 
broken person in with who had lost sight of my dreams and you know I was just engaging in that space of like how do I enhance my relationship when we're like all just feeling so you know down and busy and all that kind of stuff and that is one of those things that we're told it will like spice things up is to engage with pornography and it, it is one of those things that just brought lay, layers of hopelessness into that space in at that time and and I remember just having this encounter with Jesus and just knowing that we just can't be engaging in that space anymore none of those things are helping us move forward into the fullness of who we are this is like our satisfaction and the fullness of ecstasy and wonder and love is found in his embrace and it flows out of the river of life from within and anything else on our journey to that place is a counterfeit whether it be like taking drugs whether it be tanking ourselves on alcohol whether it be engaging in pornography or you know whatever other sexual things that you want to invite into that space of trying to bring the vibe back or or whatever it happens to be because what you find out soon enough too when you go into those places Kylie is I'm just sensing as you're talking is that there's you, you trip over you land in this pit of you know distraction and you think that that's going to be the excitement, that's going to be the ultimate excitement. It feels good at the time, but it just doesn't last. And and then you you need it again. It's like that drug. It's like any drug. You know, you see people. Thankfully, it's not in our history. Oh, thank you, God, that we didn't. You know, get into heroin and those sorts of things. But you see it happen to people where they take one of those really destructive, addictive drugs, and they chase that first hit forever for as long as they can. They can never feel like they did the first time and that there is never any satisfaction ever again to that same level of the first time that you do it. It's like this trick, you know, I've been tricked into chasing this thing and you actually never, ever, ever feel as good as you felt the first time. It's the opposite of God. Yeah. It's... When you dare to take the risk on him and everything that he represents in anybody's life and you take the risk on him again and again, the feeling is always better. It's never enough, but it's also more than enough. It's a strange feeling of, wow, I know what this wholeness feels like and I want more even though I'm full now. I still want more and I know there's more and he keeps giving you more and it's this more, more, more. It's the opposite of chasing something and never getting it and also at the same time falling into this pit of destruction and destruction as in your body, soul and spirit. And even if you just look at it as a body experience, you can see when people... I just walked past people, some people on the street before and I don't know what their story was but they were a terrible yellow colour and they were not healthy looking and I just assume that they're taking drugs. I could be wrong but I've been around it enough to see these sorts of things and the effects of it and I just think that even if we just look at the uh, things that we can see with our natural eyes and the effects that 
taking drugs and, and other habits have on our natural bodies, that it's pretty easy to see that I don't want to be going down that path. And that's just with your natural eyes. Now, what's happening to people's souls and spirits, the health of them, when you're constantly choosing those things that make you look externally bad, is I'm just assuming that those things are affected as well. Yeah, absolutely. Because even as much as we might want to bring separation into the body, soul and spirit, they are in fact one and created to be one. And often the body is the very thing that displays the fullness of how the rest of us is going. And if we're looking pretty unhealthy on the outside, then there's every chance that our soul and our spirit are not going so well either. How do we recognize how we're going? How do we recognize if there's good fruit in our life, good fruit for our body, good fruit for our soul, good fruit for our spirit. And I found a verse in Deuteronomy that speaks about blessed shall be the fruit of your body, which is the produce of your ground, the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle, the offspring of your flock. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall be when you come in. Blessed shall be when you go out. The Lord will grant you plenty of goods in the fruit of your body, in the fruit of your body, in the increase of your livestock, in the produce of your ground, in the land for which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. The Lord will open to you his good treasures, the heavens, to give rain on your land in this season, to bless all the work of your hand. You shall you shall lend to many nations and you shall not borrow. I just feel like there is a fruitfulness that comes from the fruitfulness of our body. And it's like this, that everything that we see with our natural eyes is speaking of abundance because our body is the natural place that we can see as we're walking on the earth. So it's like the manifested result of how everything else is going. Do you think? It, it was just an interesting thought because I, I started on that kind of trail because we have the fruits of the Spirit, which are the fruit of the Spirit is produced by the Holy Spirit within you. It's this divine love in all that's varied, in all of its varied expressions. It's like joy that overflows, it's peace that subdues, that peace you were talking about at the beginning, babe, that patience that endures, the kindness, the life full of virtue, the faith that prevails, the gentleness of heart, the strength of spirit, or probably more commonly known as love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Self-control. We were talking about that yesterday, and I exercised self-control last night. I decided that I was not going to watch a certain TV program that I've been watching just before I went to sleep because I wanted to offer myself the opportunity of having better dreams throughout the night and I didn't watch that show so I exercise self-control which is a fruit of the spirit which we all have exactly we have choices to make yeah we have choices to make we can choose either way I can Mm -hmm. choose to 
uh, not exercise my self-control and continue on blindly getting the results that I've always had yeah. or I can exercise self-control and change the outcome. I Absolutely, yeah. And I feel like that we are way more powerful than we realise in every aspect of those areas of our life. And sometimes, just like I spoke about last week a little bit about my healing journey, which was really doing something that he was asking me to do over and over and over again until I came into the fullness of what had transpired in my body, which was healing just by continuing to do what it was that I felt like he was asking me to do. And in a lot of ways, that is exercising those fruits of the spirit. It's like applying them. It's allowing the fruits of the spirit to filter down through the other spaces of who I am, to be part of my thought process, to be engaged in that space of my will, to be part of my emotions. Because if the fruit of the spirit is, if my emotions are taking me into a place of love and joy and peace and kindness and goodness, not anger and frustration and short-temperedness, and stress and all of those things which are not fruits of the spirit but are taking me into the fullness of the fruits of the spirit then filtering down into the actually what people can see which is my body man then there should be health filtering through there there should be divine health immortality life abundance goodness overflow and I think All of us are struggling with that in some way and sometimes it's bringing those things like what Sean was talking about and how we've been talking about things like pornography. It's really, really easy for those things to stay hidden and for it for there to be that element of shame that sits over people in that space, especially if you walk with God, if you're a Christian, if you go to church if you're you, and, and you're engaged in those kind of things, nobody wants to talk about that. You don't want to show up on Sunday and after the service talk about how you just have this addiction with, you know, a, a, like it's, a, it's people have no issue talking about being addicted to coffee, but, but, but but yet again, it's interesting though, isn't it? When when it is spoken of, there's an opportunity there for it to stop. That's right. If you don't talk about it, it's hidden and exactly. it can continue. Exactly. When you bring and these things to the light, exactly, and expose them, yeah, and talk about them, yep, the power is removed from them. Exactly. And I feel like that is one of the powerful parts. It is that light. It's like we're choosing the higher frequencies of love, joy, happiness and forgiveness. We're staying out of judgment and that is one of the things that people fear. We, we have to stay out of judgment and we have to stay out of fear because otherwise people can't be set free if they fear your judgment and that they – so all of those things that are holding them back are staying in the darkness – We have to stay out of judgment, stay out of fear and know that as vibrational hubs of congealed light, of wonder and freedom and healing and hope that we will actually attract as we find our own freedom. We will attract those negative energies that are within other people, which is just conversations where they're wanting to release what it is that is burdening them because those things are longing to be brought into the light. They're longing to be transformed. People's hearts are longing to be restored and they feel that safety and that 
at that place when they see that beautiful light in Christ, that Christ light that is shining from within you. So don't be freaked out if people start sharing their deepest, darkest thoughts with you because those thoughts are attracted to the light because they need to be exposed so that person can come into the fullness of their healing. And that is one of the beautiful, beautiful things. And I was inter- it was interesting because I was exploring what the, the essence of this congealed light is, if we are vibrational hubs of congealed light, congealed light is actually the blood of Jesus. <laughs> just a thought, just a thought. <laughs> and that is us. He is the father of light. We are those lights. And as we bring things into the light, as we become more places, hubs of love and hubs of light, people's energies that need to be transformed in that light can come forth. They can be set free and we, and they can know that we don't hold judgment. We don't hold fear. We don't hold condemnation. We're not pouring shame over people, but we are allowing them to come into the fullness of who they are and to be set free from all of those things that are holding them in those places of darkness. That was pretty cool. All right, guys, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you with us today. We just hope that this has brought another element of freedom and adventure and wonder into your week. Dare to allow his words, God's words, his love of you into your life. Thank you so much for listening to us today. It's been wonderful to have you to talk to. We thank you for your support of us. We thank you for supporting us via Patreon. Uh, That is how people are choosing to support us in the work that we do, including the podcast and all of the other things we're involved in. You can find out more information about all of the other things that we do on wildfiretribe.life. That's our website. Thank you. Yeah, we love you guys. Have an amazing week. This is Wildfire Tribe. See you next time. Bye. Bye.